Shabbat, welcome to uh, Yada Yah. Uh, for uh, uh, those who have not seen it yet, I would encourage you to go to yadayah.com. The uh, wonderful animation of the menorah and the uh, coordination of the menorah uh, with each of the seven Moed Mikre um, is uh, highlighted now on the homepage of uh, yadayah.com, Y-A-D-A-Y-A-H.com. It's a beautiful uh, animation. Uh, with the primary symbol that Yahweh has chosen to convey his message to us, the menorah, uh, and how it ties into the seven Moed Mikre, um, and then highlighting uh, Yahweh's return to Yisrael in the end. It's a beautiful presentation. Also, you will see that the volume that we had uh, posted uh, is volume nine, I believe, of Yada Yawa has been repositioned as volume one of the Babel series, and it has been moved to the far end of uh, the bookshelf prior to Questioning Paul. So it sits between Coming Home and Questioning Paul. And there's an interim version. Thank you very much, David, for getting these things posted. But there's an interim version of what I have written thus far for um, Ezekiel. Um, and for those who are listening that want to uh, uh, catch up on why we have concluded that Ezekiel is a false prophet and the Lord of Babylon is actually Satan, I would encourage you to uh, to read that. Um, I, you know, there's there's two chapters in there that are really really tough sledding. Um, they're um, graphic and uh, sadistic, and maybe even three because there's one where the voice, the Lord of Babel, is fixated on uh, boiling Jews alive. Um, but it's important uh, because of the fact that Ezekiel is the one book that is embraced by the three um, major religions uh, of uh, Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. Uh, it plays a very big role in the Talmud and also in uh, the Zohar plus 
has a huge influence over the mistreatment of women in Judaism. Plays a huge influence over Christianity. It's uh, quoted vociferously and and uh, revelation, um, and it uh, it is what we read in terms of the Lord's animosity towards Jews is the prevailing theme through Paul's letters and through the so-called Gospels. Uh, and uh, Ezekiel is the one book that makes prolific uh, entry into um, the Quran because the rabbis were fascinated with it and they shared their stories with Muhammad. And uh, he uh, found uh, Gog and Magog to be interesting. But uh, it has been posted. Uh, the uh, work is far from done. I'm only in the 27th chapter of Ezekiel. Um, but uh, you can read, um, I don't know how many chapters are posted, but probably the first uh, seven, eight, nine uh, chapters of uh, volume two of Babel, which is the expose on Ezekiel, are now available uh, to, uh, to be studied. Uh, the last thing I did, just as a heads up, um, I don't think it's, it's published on the site yet because it has been fully edited, but a, uh, a review of the prophecies on Tyre uh, make up the 26th chapter of Ezekiel. He probably has uh, 50 things, maybe more, that are very specific, he says, about uh, Tyre. Not a single one of them is accurate. And it's not possible to make 50 statements about a city like Tyre and have every statement be false unless it's deliberate. It's just not possible. Yeah. So uh, I concluded that they're all false. Every single statement that um, Ezekiel Lord makes about Tyre because he is playing the same tune, which is trying to tell Yahweh, people are so stupid. They will believe a pile of lies uh, over you. So why in the world are you so interested in saving these idiots whom you know, I can fool with the most absurd lies? Um, and it's, it's just pathetic. Uh, there are some items in the news. First uh, and foremost, um, I've been saying this now for uh, probably better part of, of 10 to 12 years that the United States deliberately and knowingly uh, set a course for war between itself and Russia uh, using the Ukraine as a backdrop. And I've been saying this since we uh, instigated the riots in the Ukraine, I think 2013, 2014, uh, to prevail in switching Ukraine's financial dependence, because it's a graft-oriented country, one of the worst in the world, uh, from Russia, which could afford underpinning Ukraine because they had pipelines where they could make certain that those loans were repaid, to switching it to the International Monetary Fund. Uh, and I spoke vociferously about what that was going to mean, but that was only uh, a few billion dollars a year, and now we're squandering a uh, hundred billion dollars a year um, turning Ukraine into a war zone. Uh, but I predicted what it was going to eventually lead to and talked about how the ultimate goal was to make Ukraine part of Warsaw, which Russia would respond to. It'd be like the Cuban Missile Crisis, but this time we didn't have wiser heads 
and so the world would be embarked upon a nuclear war. Well, Meldovev, who was the previous leader of uh, of Russia and uh, Putin's ally, announced this week that their hypersonic cruise missiles are fully deployable and that the intent is to put them on Russian ships in international waters off the coast of Washington, D.C., and to wow. put nuclear warheads on them. There's nothing the United States can do to stop them. And at the rate of Russian losses to U.S.-made military hardware in Ukraine, it's only a matter of time. So I want our listeners to know that the United States is responsible for this war and that uh, we are going to pay a very dear price for it. And, and it's not just on the crumbling of our economy. It's not just that we're going to lose our reserve currency status through uh, the BRIC process uh, because of the way that we have tried to control the world and sanction Russia. It's not just through the food shortages that, and the oil price increases and rampant inflation that, that this is all caused. It's not just the death toll of America um, arming the Ukraine in a proxy war. It's not just the death of truth, which the United States has orchestrated uh, through uh, uh, deliberate propaganda and the silencing of, uh, of opposing voices. Uh, it's going to end in a nuclear exchange. And uh, uh, it's not going to be thousands that will die. It's going to be millions. Speaking of uh, people dying, Lapid, who I really dislike, um, uh, told uh, Netanyahu that by allowing uh, his, uh, uh, one of his ministers, who had a regular practice of taking walks on the, uh, the Temple Mount, which last time I checked was a Jewish uh, uh, property, that uh, by allowing him to do that, uh, that people were going to die. The United States uh, came out, uh, and even in the United Nations, contemned uh, Israel for uh, for allowing one of the uh, ministers in the Netanyahu government to uh, walk on the Temple Mount. Yet his crime was that he, as a Jew, took a walk on the Temple Mount. And uh, the Muslim world is having a conniption fit, of course. One of the things that I just do not understand, and it has perplexed me since I uh, wrote Prophet of Doom, um, claiming Jerusalem and the Temple Mount, uh, the Dome of the Hoofy Print, Alaska Mosque, and uh, the Dome of the Rock, as Islam's third holiest site, is a complete and utter embarrassment to Islam. And I've just never understood why Jews are incapable of just coming out and saying it's all a farce. Uh, shoving it in the progressives' faces, shoving it in the face of the United Nations. Tell the truth, damn it. They claim it because Mohammed, when he was in Petra, not in Mecca, claimed that uh, while he was in bed with Asia, who was nine years old at the time, and he was 53, that's pedophilia, Imagine, because of the satanic verses, where he admitted that all of Allah's messengers speak on behalf of Satan, that when he claimed that, uh, uh, that there were many gods that would lead to, uh, to Allah, 
they mocked him, and he needed an escape. So he imagined in his sleep that night that he jumped upon a winged ass and flew to Jerusalem to visit the temple and all of the Jewish big shots of history. Of course, Muhammad lived uh, at the end of the, uh, of the 7th century. The temple had been destroyed by Hadrian and the Romans at the beginning of the 2nd century. It didn't even yep. exist. Wild asses don't exist. Donkeys do not fly. <clears throat> Pedophiles do not get entry into these kinds of discussions. And, of course, even when he got there, when the Dome of the Rock is the place where the wild ass then left with Muhammad on it to the Islamic heaven, and, of course, en route to the Islamic heaven, guess what? Hell comes first. He uh, announced that its inhabitants were all women hanging by meat hooks through their breasts Mm. because they didn't appreciate the abuse that men were giving to them. And, of course, in Islam, obviously, since Muhammad never made it to heaven any other way, the only way you can get there is through Jerusalem. It is a pathetic story that embarrasses Muhammad, that embarrasses Muslims, that proves that the whole Quran is a fault, but that the claims on the Temple Mount are a total and complete embarrassment to the religion. It's obvious. It's undeniable. Why is it? The Jews can't tell the truth and say, this is ridiculous. But no, they would rather try to appease the world and pretend that one of their own can't walk on the Temple Mount. Speaking of stupid, the head of NASA is saying that we need to really hurry to the, uh, uh, to the moon. Because if we don't hurry there, the, the Chinese are going to land a spacecraft there, and they're going to claim the moon is their territory, so we better get there in a hurry. Good grief. Can people believe this stuff? What in the heck is wrong with us? Uh, I was reading a story where uh, it was announced that, uh, you know, that Israel has the fourth most powerful military in the world after the United States, whose military and spine mechanism is larger than the rest of the world's combined. And uh, China and Russia comes Israel. Mm-hmm. Now, they don't spend the most, the fourth most on it, but they have the fourth most powerful military in the world. And all they're trying to do is stay alive. Uh, yeah. The Pope Emeritus, uh, Benedict, uh, crapped out this, uh, this uh, past uh, week. Um, there's a picture of him that was circulating. There's this, uh, it looks like a plastic, uh, uh, one of those little plastic, doll uh, Jesuses that you'd put out there and I wouldn't put that somebody would put out there in their Christmas manger and of course it has a halo over its head and the poopster is uh, is kissing it um, the uh, the poopster's last words were just uh, were just hilarious he says oh, I love you Lord <laughs> doesn't even know that the Lord is Satan but um, I'm not sure that the Lord loves him back either <sighs> It is a uh, it is crazy, uh, crazy, crazy world. The UN uh, voted this week to uh, uh, to have a uh, international hearing in the uh, the Hague on uh, on the uh, occupation of uh, of its own country 
that uh, it's amazing they don't have a hearing on the uh, on the U.S. occupying um, Texas or California. I think we should give the Mexicans California back personally, but I uh, know uh, they don't want to do that. But they do want to hold the Jews accountable for their occupation and their treatment of the Fakistinians. Um, not that any of them are smart enough to know that the last of the Fakistinians, the Philistines, were killed by the Assyrians. There's some rumor that Alexander may have tangled with a remnant of them in 330-some-odd BCE. But, you know, I didn't know this, but almost everything we know about Alexander was actually written by uh, uh, Arians, uh, who was a uh, Greco-Roman leader, uh, a big fan and friend of, of Hadrian, one of God's least favorite people. Um, uh, 450 years after Alexander's death, so uh, we don't really have much of a contemporary resource in uh, in that regard. But nonetheless, uh, I, you know, he uh, he would claim that they it was a skirmish with the last outpost of the Fakistinians. But let's just say they actually survived the Assyrian assault in uh, around 720 BCE. Um, there was nothing left of them. Uh, by the time Alexander finished with the last outpost. And therefore, there are no Palestinians, and there's no place called Palestine. It is a complete and utter farce, and it should be declared as such. Um, most of you know that I live on a uh, on an island in the, uh, the Caribbean. The island is about 85 to 90 percent uh, uh, black in terms of its uh, ethnicity. Uh, about uh, five to seven percent Caucasian, the rest uh, mostly Hispanic, uh, and uh, they're celebrating uh, their uh, their second Christmas uh, uh, these past few days, which is nothing but a street orgy. Uh, they might as well just throw beds in the street and screw one another. It is uh, it's an interesting thing because some of my friends who have not been here very long uh, go down there just to observe the uh, the decadence of the uh, of the whole thing and as a white face is you know one of a thousand uh, that are there a black woman will come up to them and said how, how dare you you know they will curse them for no other reason than being uh, white and uh, you want to say you know if you think that 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 life isn't good for you here uh, who do you have to blame Every senator, all 18 of them are black. Um, every governor, uh, lieutenant governor, black. All the judges are black. All the prosecutors, everybody. There isn't anybody in government that isn't black. So why are you blaming the, the 5 or 7% that are Caucasian? Particularly since they hire lots of people. If you wanted a completely 100% black, go to Haiti. See how things are working out for the Haitians. Uh, um, tens of thousands of them you know, gunned down. Uh, this year is, is nothing but armed gangs with guns uh, rule that island. Do you know that life expectancy in the United States has actually fallen for the first time in um, almost yeah, forever? Sure. Yeah, we're, mm -hmm. uh, we're not living as long. Trumpster is all upset now that the Republicans don't love him as much as they used to. And uh, his new threat is that uh, if they don't uh, nominate him, 
he's going to run as a third-party uh, candidate. That ought to work out real well for everybody, wouldn't it? Uh, <laughs> it is a, uh, a scary place. Now, my last item in the news, uh, it was the end of last week or the first part of this week that uh, Pope Francis, uh, who is, by the way, now sporting a, uh, a wheeled chariot, just like the, uh, the Lord in Ezekiel, uh, his has uh, got uh, at least four wheels, although there's wheels inside of the wheels. But he is uh, he's romping around in a, uh, a wheelchair, um, uh, trying to uh, mimic the uh, uh, the God of Ezekiel. Um, and uh, he uh, announced that there's an elegant <clears throat> demon that lurks among the Vatican staff. Not just your average demon. No, no. An elegant demon. So I thought that was uh, particularly uh, interesting. I gotta look that up. Uh, yes. All right. So, with that review of the news, let's uh, return back to Hosha, which is uh, news for the day. Uh, Hosha is reaching out to uh, Yahweh's people. Uh, they would be Yisrael and Yahuda. Um, Yaudim, the plural of Yaudah, are Jews. Uh, Yisrael would represent uh, the ten of the twelve tribes that uh, are not comprised of um, of Yaudah uh, and of Benjamin. I'm not sure there's a lot going to be a lot of Benjamites uh, that are going to be part of the the reunion during Kippurim. Uh They have a pretty bad history with uh, with Yahweh and the rest of the uh, of the crew, but there will be lots of Yehudim. Uh, Jews, um, and also uh, a recovery of uh, of a remnant of Israelites, and so the book of of Hosha is saying that circa about 750 BCE that your religion has made it impossible for me to continue to have a relationship with you, uh, and so we're going to have a long time out, and during that long time out, I'm just really not going to communicate with you. Um, I will. Uh, reveal message through a few more uh, prophets from Yehuda. He tells uh, Israel, says, with Israel, we are done. And it was shortly thereafter that the Assyrians made certain of that. Um, but then with Yehuda, it says, there'll be a little more time there to try to, to communicate and to save uh, my people. And he would um, uh, communicate through Yermayah and through Zachariah, through Malachi, uh, over uh, the next uh, 300 years, and then it was radio silence from 2400 or from two, from 450 BCE to uh, today. God has not spoken through a prophet, um, and there is not going to be another prophet until though David returns. But while he speaks of of this time of separation, of divorce and estrangement, he also speaks. Mm-hmm of coming back together, of the reunion. And the reunion is on Yom Kippurim, the Day of Reconciliations, in 6,000 Yah, which is 30, 2033. So here's the passage we were at at the end of the program last uh, week. Therefore, I do have to ask before we get into this, uh, Kirk, uh, you live uh, uh, in the uh, the new um, uh, region of flood. I understand that uh, your house is not fully watertight. Your front door has sealed shut, so it is like the ark being uh, being closed. 
but uh, your roof okay, is, uh, is not quite uh, right yet and that you're not no. certain that your house will float. But I'm closer to the beach than I was. Yeah, <laughs> you are closer to the, to the beach. Yeah, if these storms keep on going, you are going to have uh, oceanfront property. I'm oh. not sure that's a oh, good yeah. thing, the way that the ocean is so no. uh, angry right now at California, <laughs> eating it up. Uh, but I do think it's curious that with uh, all of these, these feet of rain, that nobody was smart mm -hmm. enough in California to dig a hole in the ground so that they could retain some of the water. I inquired, and they said, what? <laughs> what concept? <laughs> yeah, I've always been curious where they talk about drought and rationing water. And you know, there's exactly the same amount of water on the planet that there was uh, a couple of billion years ago. It's a matter of allocation. Are you not as smart as the Romans, and you, you don't know how to um, – Distribute water. Even the Babylonians knew how to distribute water. So you are, uh, I understand your roof still leaks, but your front door, it is, it's solid. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You can't get it. It's safe. Yeah. Okay. It's no longer snowing in Florida. Is that right, Dee? No, it never got as cold as they promised, thankfully. Yeah, I guess it, it never really didn't get to the point where it was snowing, but it was close. All right, therefore, um, you will stumble and fall by day. And the prophet also will waver and falter, becoming injurious along with you at night. Then I will make this uh, uh, comparable to your mother. So God's problem with his people is their religion. It's the issue which continues to separate man from God. He made that really clear. You are going to stumble and fall by day along with the prophet. Waver and falter, becoming injurious during this time of darkness. Uh, problem is religion. It is what has misled Jews, taking them away from God. Now, since the people were as corrupt as their clerics, God told the Israelites and us through them was in a position to point fingers. The destiny of the deceived would be the same as those who had deceived them. Well, at least in the sense that they would both stumble and fall. So in this context, especially in the midst of Yahweh's overt condemnation of Judaism, I think that this next statement that we're going to share is amongst the most important ever written. Mm -hmm. My people, Am Ani, my people. This would be Yisrael, uh, inclusive of Yahuda. My people destroyed, and they will perish. Dama. They are ruined and will cease to exist having become the brunt of a sad story. It's written in the Niffel Perfect. The people have destroyed themselves and will suffer the consequence. In the Niffel Stem, the um, subject both carries out and suffers the effect of the verb. The verb is destruction and perish. So they are destroying themselves, and mm -hmm. as a result, uh, they're going to receive the brunt of that and cease to exist. The perfect means that this happened during a period of time. That period of time could be 2,000 years, but it is not forever. 
which means there will be a time that they cease to be self-destructive. So my people are destroyed and they will perish because of, from, a lack of understanding as a result of corrupted information. Bele ha dayat. Bele means to deprive oneself of, to lack something, for something to be inadequate. And dayat is empirical knowledge. Bele ha dayat. Without being, without adequate knowledge, having sufficient awareness and deficient of discernment, lacking the will to recall what is important and the capacity to rationally analyze the data to comprehend it. It was written in the infinitive substantive. Being ignorant and irrational regarding these prophetic revelations has come to demonstrably, vividly, define the Israelites over the long chasms of time. This is because you have avoided and rejected process which leads to understanding. Most people don't have a clue what that means. They think that they were... um, separated from God and that God says that they're doing something which is self-destructive because they were practicing a false religion, because they were, didn't have the proper faith, because they were engaged in fornication and improper sexual behavior and were cheating on their husbands and spouses So it must be adultery. No. God says, the problem is that you lack understanding. That specifically empirical knowledge, the truth, having access to and processing evidence in a rational way is what is causing this problem. It is because you lack understanding. You do not have adequate knowledge. You have insufficient awareness. Problem wasn't they didn't believe. The problem wasn't their faith. The problem was their thinking. Evidence and reason are the only tools we have to come to know and engage in a relationship with Yahweh. Evidence and reason. Knowledge which leads to understanding rationally analyzing the data so that we comprehend it. May I? Sure. Uh, Dayat, I looked it up just out of interest. It's an interesting thing for understanding knowledge, wisdom, discernment. You have to go through this. It's the Dilet Ayin Tal. So I would suggest that is you can't get through the door, the Pesach door. Your perspective is wrong. And it won't. And that would lead you to sign, signpost along the way on the tall. So if you delete, I mean, if you the first one is you can't, you don't have it, you don't know how to find it. What the, what he he's saying pictographically, I think, is mm-hmm. you don't know where the piece of is, you don't know the pathway home. Right. If you're serving, if you're celebrating a, a seder meal, 
and yes. you've got a plate full of vegetables with a bone on the middle of it, then yes. you're as lost as was Cain. Mm-hmm. And you've got no concept as to what the purpose is of the Passover lamb. You have no idea as to why matzah is an, is an essential part of Pesach and why ultimately chag matzah is the celebration of which Pesach is a part. You don't understand those things. If you don't understand those things, you're not going to live. So God's issue is that you're not only not thinking, you're not even processing the information that I've made available to you. You know, this is because for the express reason that you have avoided and rejected, ma'as, you have spurned and despised, refused and disdained, showing an aversion to diat, the process which leads to understanding. The second most valuable thing in the universe is knowledge. The most powerful thing, the most valuable thing in the universe is understanding. You won't hear that anyplace else. They'll tell you that love is the most important thing in the universe. No, it's not. They'll tell you religion or faith or some other such nonsense. Freedom, I don't know, whatever it may be. Patriotism, no. Valor, no. It's tolerance, no, no. According to God, the second most important thing in the universe is knowledge. Most important is understanding. So God's people, according to Yahweh, who's in a position to know, are destroyed and they will perish because they lack understanding as a result of corrupted information. And this is because they have avoided and rejected the process which leads to understanding. They've chosen religion instead. Therefore, I will constantly reject and avoid you from serving as my priests and ministers, especially on my behalf. Therefore, I will consistently reject and avoid you. Ma'as ata. I will actually disassociate from you. And I'm going to rebuff you. And avoid you serving as my priests and ministers. Men ka'an. From acting as counselors and clerics. Why? Because you don't know what you're doing. The priests and now rabbis could no more direct a Jew to a knowledge of Yahweh's name than a man on the moon. There isn't one of them who understands the purpose of the seven Moed Mikre. Not one. There's not one who could articulate the five conditions of the covenant or even the five benefits. Not one. And if you don't know the value of Yahweh's name, if you don't know the conditions of the covenant, if you don't understand the benefits of the covenant, if you don't understand the integration of those seven Moed Mikre, the invitations to meet with God, and how they pertain to receiving the benefits of the covenant and becoming part of God's family, then there is no hope. 
And there's not one. Not with all of their ugly gray beards. Not with all of their big fancy speeches. Hateful rhetoric. They're universally clueless. And God is saying, you are no longer going to serve me. We're done. I've had enough. And since that time, they haven't. In fact, if you look at the Maccabean uh, revolt, um, the Maccabees uh, ostensibly said, you know, we're getting way too much of the Greek influence uh, into our culture and our religion. Uh, And yet, you know, rabbinic Judaism is hugely uh, uh, Greek in terms of its its uh, uh, heritage and origin, including the yarmulke, uh, the kippah that they uh, that they wear. Um, it, even the, the fact they go to a synagogue—that's a Greek term. Uh, but all they did is this was a war between. Who is going to be in charge? We're going to use the old system of the priests uh, explaining what's important? Or are we going to have ourselves, the the precursors to the rabbis, claim uh, authority? And you know, it was a, uh, an armed resurrection against the, uh, the Greeks. Uh, and, and it really set up the uh, the ultimate conflicts that would follow the three invasions of Yehuda by the Romans and ultimate uh, complete destruction of the uh, the land and of Jerusalem. So God's saying, you're not going to serve on my behalf anymore. When God says that, well then, for him to be able to communicate his message to his people, somebody else has got to do it. And it won't be a Yisraelite. So perhaps that's the reason you're listening to a program tonight that is hosted by a Goy. And since you have constantly ignored and forgotten, failing to remember or respond to, shakach, you have overlooked and lost the significance of, ceasing to care about, and failing to mention the Torah teaching of your God, Torah teaching, the Torah guidance of your God, I will also ignore and forget your children. And the rabbis would say, oh, no, we're, you know, we even have a political party that, uh, that has Torah in the name. <laughs> we have uh, yeshiva schools that, oh, it's all we do. To study the Torah, we've even forgotten about math and English or any other sciences. No, we just study the Torah. Bull. They study the Talmud. Read Yashia 26 and 28. They claim that their Talmud is Torah. It's ludicrous. It's a lie. In fact, it's an obvious lie. To believe the lie, you have to be stupid. The Babylonian Talmud, and it is not the Torah. And so the reason that 
Jews and Yahweh aren't on speaking terms is because they have ignored, forgotten, and failed to even care about Yahweh's Torah. Matter of fact, if you were to ask a religious Jew, what does Torah mean? Every one of them would lie to you. They'd say law. There is Mm -hmm. nothing in the word Torah that would suggest law. Yahweh even tells us the basis of Torah. He says that it is based upon Yara. What does Yara mean? Source from guidance and instruction flow. Source of teaching and directions. Mm -hmm. Teaching is not law. Guidance is not law. You don't go to jail for breaking an instruction. No one was ever imprisoned for a direction. Torah means guidance and teaching, directions, instructions. And that's why he said, the Torah of your God, as opposed to the Talmud of your religious creeps. So what's the consequence? God is in the role of father. He's saying that my children are ignoring my uh, teaching and guidance. So it's his only option. I will ignore your children. Yep. And he did. There wasn't a single Jew, not one, over the course of 2,500 years with whom Yahweh could communicate. No one to listen, no one to share. Not one. That's uh, tragic. So the only option was for Yahweh to reach out through a Gentile, which is what he has done. For Religions based upon the Talmud, New Testament, or Quran to emerge and grow in the shadow of this declaration, the men responsible for promoting them had to be willfully dishonest. You know, Jews carry the book of Hosha around in their uh, Tanakh. They know it exists. They read from it. How in the world can you be so oblivious to it? Since the prophecies revealed by Hosha prove divine inspiration, it is a miracle that anyone believes any religion when we can and should know and understand Yahweh. Now, some people sometimes say, what do you believe? I don't believe squat. What's the value of believing? If you can know, belief is useless. And you can know. You can know Yahweh. You can understand what he is offering and expecting in return. You can know and understand that the primary thing that separates humankind from God is religion. Yes. So why would you want to believe? There are a few passages, statements, prophetic declarations as important to God's people as this one. Amani, 
refers to Israel. It means my family. These mm-hmm. are the descendants of Abraham and Yishak and Jacob. Now, there are Goyim in God's family now. Um, God lays it out that the Goyim who accept Israel, who engage on behalf of Israel, who accept the terms and conditions of the covenant as they're laid out in the Torah, who attend the Moed Mikre, that we have the same access to the covenant as do Jews. Hey. However, yes. <laughs> Yahweh's message is to his people. He only speaks of Goyim, of Gentiles, when we are supporting Israel, when we are negatively influencing Israel, when we're abusing Israel, or when we are part of the events of the last days as Yahweh is trying to reconcile his relationship with Israel. That's why I had so much trouble with the last chapter I've translated on um, uh, Ezekiel, uh, the 27th chapter is, uh, you know, about the color of the sails and the uh, and the source of the wood uh, for uh, the uh, the mass for tires boats and you and you just go so what <laughs> so what even if it were true I mean it's not what would anybody care God's interest is on Israel. If you don't like that, if you don't like Jews, then go away. Yeah. God loves them, in spite of themselves. And so, Goyim only fit into this picture when they were either being lambasted by God for negatively affecting his people, like Christians and Muslims, or progressives, or were presented in this picture because we're supporting his people and therefore engaged in the covenant. Am Ani refers to Israel, the descendants of Abraham, Yishak, and Jacob. From the opening statement, Israelites have been the cause of Yahweh's angst, the focus of his condemnation, and the entire focus of his desire to reconcile that relationship. Now, this is so for a lot of reasons. First, Yahweh established his covenant with Israel, essentially adopting them into his family. They were destined to inherit everything God had to offer, but because they were so readily misled, unfortunately, they were disinherited for a while. Second, Yahweh liberated the children of Israel from Mitzrayim known as Mitzrayim, to the people who still live in Mitzrayim, known as Egypt to those who prefer the Greek name. He revealed his Torah guidance to them on their way home. He spoke directly to them in their language. He even led them to the promised land in spite of their hideous behavior. And they showed no appreciation. And they very quickly abandoned God. Third, Israelites were groomed and raised to be a shining example, the exemplar of what life could be like 
for those who listen to and trust Yahweh. Said they became infamous for being belligerent, rebellious. The realization that they did not listen, that they pursued the ways of the Gentiles, worshiping false gods and giving homage to arrogant kings, it broke Yahweh's heart. Our Creator and Father would watch as those he sought to love were humiliated and abused by those he asked them to avoid. So very sad. And God makes this painfully clear that he has done everything he could to lift up his children and they have done everything in their power to spit in his face. It's the saddest story ever told. And yet, not because of them, because of him. He's going to reconcile this relationship. He is calling his people home. I don't think there'll be a lot. And I don't think God cares that there aren't a lot. But if you want to be among them, it's time you walk away from religion, from politics, and embrace Yahweh. Lastly, Yahweh honors his promises, even when his people are undeserving. So to save a remnant of Israel, to reconcile the relationship with Yahudem and himself, Yahweh would have to gain their attention at a different time in a different way because there wasn't a single Jew for whom he could speak. And as the ultimate insult to Israel's arrogance, Agoy was asked to reintroduce them to the Torah and call them home. Apart from Yahweh, human souls are dama, they perish. And a strange nephish consciousness, dama, ceases to exist. This is one of the most vital lessons we can learn from God. And it is at the forefront of uh, this declaration. God is telling us that for the thoughtless and for the faithful, there is no eternal life in heaven. Nor is there everlasting punishment in hell. Neither of those will come upon the thoughtless or the faithful. Instead, they will earn nothing. They will receive nothing. And while this may not register with um, some of our listeners tonight, it is essential to our understanding of Yahweh. If instead God had created a paradigm wherein those who were unaware of him, who were misled about him, or even who chose to reject him, were eternally tormented in hell, he'd be rendered unlovable and sadistic. But this religious perception is not reality. That is what we learn from Dhamma. Sheol, which we call hell, 
is reserved for those who deliberately mislead others and abuse them. Rabbis will be very popular in hell, as will be priests and pastors and imams and a lot of politicians. Those who mislead others, particularly Jews, via religion and politics, patriotism, militarism, social education, culture, or conspiracy, their punishment is not only deserved, recompense is the only way to be fair to those they have harmed. The founders and principal catalysts for religion will all be there, along with the list of emperors and kings, popes, pastors, imams, and rabbis. Now, we have all been invited to enjoy eternal life in Shammai in heaven with Yahweh. Even though as few as one in a million will accept God's offer. We avail ourselves of this opportunity by listening to Yahweh, by reciting his Torah, by reading his prophets and Psalms, and then, of course, by responding appropriately to the five conditions of his bereft and answering his invitations to attend his seven mikre. Mikre are the the seven invitations that we are invited to attend. Um, Pesach is the first of them uh, for the purpose of living forever, opening the doorway to life. Matzah, the most important of them, which is not even celebrated anymore in Judaism, but matzah is the single most important day of the year for us. It is the day that the fungus of religion and politics is a sponge from our souls. We appear perfect in God's eyes so that when we are immortal, we are still capable of entering God's presence. Bakotam is firstborn children, which is to be adopted into Yahweh's family once we have been made immortal and perfect. And then on Shabuah, seven sevens later, we are enriched, we're empowered, we're enlightened, so that we can be effective witnesses on behalf of Yahweh and convey his message to his people. The most important time to do that is on Teruah. Uh, Teruah is the date that uh, I received this calling. Teruah is the event that we live part of the Yada Yahweh program seven days a, a, a week, uh, 52 weeks a year. Teruah means to call out a warning and to express the good news of Yahweh's message. It is the date that the rabbis have corrupted to the Babylonian Rosh Hashanah head of the year. This leads to the most important day on God's calendar from God's perspective, Yom Kippurim, the day of reconciliations. It's not the day of atonement. It's not the high holy days. It's not a day to afflict one's soul. It's not the day to enter a fast. It is a day to celebrate our relationship and the reconciliation of our relationship with Yahweh. It is a date whose fulfillment is certain. Yom Kippurim, year 6,000, yeah, October 22nd, excuse me, October 2nd, 2022, 
2033, October 2nd, 2033, when at 622 p.m. as the sun sets and the skies above Jerusalem, Yahweh will return with the most amazing man in human history, David, who is the Messiah, the King of Kings, and our shepherd. This leads to a return to Eden, where we camp out with Yahweh during Sukkah. This whole 6,000 years from the time we were expelled from Eden to the time we return is all orchestrated so that Yahweh can restore the earth without the influence of religion, without the influence of politics, without militarism, without conspiracy. So it is just Yahweh and his family celebrating Sukkah for a thousand years, to which time we will then witness the creation of a new universe. And these seven Moed Mikre provide the five benefits of the covenant, which are eternal life, uh, being perfected by God, um, being adopted into his family, being enriched and empowered, um, and therefore being able to live with him forever. And we receive these benefits, as I said, not only by capitalizing on the benefits of the seven Moed Mikre, but also simultaneously accepting the terms and conditions of the covenant, to walk away from religion and politics, to walk to God through this Moed Mikre, Pesach and Matzah, particular and allow him to perfect us to trust and rely on Yahweh as opposed to religion or government to closely examine and carefully consider these specific terms and conditions of the covenant so we're in a position to know them understand them and therefore accept them and of course as a sign of the covenant to be circumcised as men and to as parents to circumcise our sons on the seventh day. We talked about this uh, several Eight. programs ago Eight. when we mm-hmm. were uh, talking about what is the sign of the covenant. Yeah. And it is a circumcision, but what is left after the, uh, the covering has been clipped and tossed away? And when you recognize what that is, then you recognize that Yahweh's perception of sexuality and of love and marriage and family, uh, enjoyment, uh, the creation of, uh, of children and raising them in a loving family is very different than that of religion. God obviously does not have a problem with sexuality, and yet uh, men and women that are religious do. He does not call for us to be monogamous. He does not call for us to engage in some kind of a ceremony for uh, uh, marriage. He doesn't scream about uh, divorce. He uh, doesn't say that uh, we can only have sexual experiences uh, with a marriage partner doesn't say any of that stuff. It's all man-made. God is not a cosmic killjoy. The sign of his covenant. So 
He clearly wants us to enjoy ourselves, but to do so in a loving and responsible way. If we're going to engage in this kind of behavior, we can't be like the women that are marching saying, my body, my choice, because you had no responsible way to control your body. You're trying to force your choice on someone else. Yeah. No, God wants us to be responsible. If you're going to engage in, in this kind of behavior, then you'd better be doing it with somebody you want to spend some time with because you might well conceive a child, and that's the greatest blessing of all. But that requires a committed relationship and an opportunity to create a loving and supportive home. But God literally created us as a model for what he was trying to achieve. And so when you look at every aspect of human nature, for the fact that we're an upright individual and not down there on our four feet or knees or slithering on the, uh, the ground, we're an upright individual. We can walk with God. We're an individual with, created with a unique vocal capacity and range so that we can speak with God. Our uh, cognitive abilities in terms of language skills are beyond any other animal specifically designed so that we could do these very things, listen to God, come to know him. Um, we were given a, a conscience in addition to a consciousness so we could discern right and wrong, truth and lies, good and bad, productive and counterproductive. All of these things as uh, gifts to model us in that um, environment. We, were, we conceive children together as a couple and have a child that is totally dependent upon us. We are very different as men and women with uh, different strengths and weaknesses, but that together we are far more effective and uh, and surviving, enjoying life, creating the right kind of an environment, and of course in raising our children. We are literally created as the living embodiment of what God intended for the covenant. We we are a fragile individual. We can't just... um, live out there in the uh, in the open ground like uh, deers and antelopes and foxes and the like. No, we, we build houses. Yeah. We, uh, we wear clothing. We, uh, we uh, benefit from fire, cooking our food, and working cooperatively with one another. So you know, we are made to resemble what God is trying to offer us in this covenant relationship. Dee, Kirk, do you want to add anything to that before we, we move on with the commentary on Hosea 4.6? No, sir, that was well said. Um, really. <laughs> well, you know, I've got to add a, a little something because I've been looking into this for a while now, and uh, I really appreciate all the imagery associated with the male, the female dichotomies and how they work together. And like you said, totally um, designed, intentionally created to demonstrate how the two become one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of a short form of six plus one equals seven. It's what God wants with us. So it's beautiful design and very well said mm-hmm. by you. Yeah, I love the design. God obviously loves the design. And he wants us to enjoy the uh, the design. And he would not have made the focal point of the design in terms of the enjoyment and conception of children what he did. 
unless uh, he wanted us to enjoy um, our relationship. Right. Now, Yisrael in particular has become hideously misled um, by the way that women are treated uh, in Judaism is a great example of that. They have come to embody uh, the worst of Dhamma, having become the brunt of a sad story. Religious Jews have become a nightmarish parable unto themselves, the most universally maligned people in human history. We're reading the reason Jews have become the object of so many conspiracy theories. The conspiracy theories are wrong, but they were brought on Jews by Jews. Had there not been rabbis misleading Jews, they would never have happened. Christianity would never have happened. Islam would never have happened. Is a bad thing. Ignorance is destructive. It's not bliss. God's people have fallen, just as humanity at large, because far too few um, have understanding. This is due to a whole host of factors, uh, including being inundated by the religious, political, and conspiratorial, uh, and their corrupted information. Those who belay ha-dayat are without adequate knowledge. If you don't have adequate knowledge, there is no path to understanding. They have insufficient awareness to even be discerning and thoughtful, which is why most believe and while the world is awash in unfounded opinions. One of the great challenges today is information is so prevalent that without a filter, without being discerning, without being judgmental, uh, you have no way of determining what's true or false. I mean, I've sent articles all the time, and I, I read the first opening paragraph and said, ah, no, that doesn't pass this <laughs> That clearly mm-hmm. is not true. Somebody is uh, is off on uh, wild goose chase. And, and after a while, if you know who Yahweh is, what he's offering, what he's uh, rejecting, it, it actually becomes pretty easy. Uh, when somebody you know, wants to tell me this great story, I'll say, no, not true. Let me explain to you why it's not true. But most people are incapable of doing that. The reason that politicians prevail is their audience is ignorant and irrational. The reason conspiracies prevail is their audience is ignorant and irrational. The reason that religions prevail is because most people are ignorant and irrational. That sounds don't hard you think to say. It's true. Go ahead, Kirk. You know, don't you think that that's what makes it so easy later if you study, if you read enough of the concepts that, that you find only really in yada yada um, and, and all, these, all these volumes, once you get those pretty sound bases in what Yahweh has to say that's most important to him and the Moed Mikras and so forth, when you go back and even if you're stuck with reading, doing your translations or something out of a, a Masoretic text, it's real easy to make the corrections. You know that's not true. You know, 
this. It can't be translated that way. And then even if you go to all those English Bibles, you go, or even the the Jewish Publication Society, uh, to know, you go, no, wrong. And I feel, yeah. I don't feel, I'm not that smart. <laughs> but I, I say, no, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. This is why. Yeah. And if I had to confront someone, this is why. You can't, you can't have, it's yeah. like earlier you were talking about, y'all get free will, so he can't, he can't, make you obey or give you a law. Torah cannot be law and still give you free will. Yeah. Right. You know, when I'm translating Ezekiel, it's a, it's a broken record because every statement is incorrect, but it's so uh, easy to demonstrate it's, that they are incorrect. And, of course, Yahweh's standard is every statement has to be correct, and yet Ezekiel, every yeah. statement is incorrect. And you, you wonder, how is it that theologians and apologists for these religions uh, write articles and say, well, you know, uh, prophecy was fulfilled when every aspect of it's false. And why people believe it. It's so obviously untrue, so easily disproven. But, you know, I can tell people that, uh, you know, I can give you 10,000 reasons to reject the Christian New Testament and Paul. Uh, All Mm -hmm. of them irrefutable. Right, and yet they can't even process it. Won't even, won't even try. You know, if you were to to go to a, the Haredi, the ultra orthodox Jews, which the dominant uh-huh. religion within uh, Israel, second largest in the United States, uh, Reform is larger in the United States, with Haredi being the fastest growing in Israel. Haredi is it. The the non Haredi represents such a small percentage and this is a declining percentage of Judaism. But if you were to go there already, the ultra-Orthodox uh, uh, Jews, which is a religion that was uh, conceived in Ukraine um, in uh, between 17 and 1800s. So it's a fairly new religion. And you were to tell them that Yahweh's name is easily pronounced, Yahweh. If you were to tell him his Torah means teaching and guidance, if you were to tell them that Yahweh has seven Moed Mikre and the most important, you aren't even observing, Matzah. And you've got everything regarding Pesach wrong, and you're clueless as to what Bukodim and Shabuah is mean, and you completely ignore Teruah, you replaced it, uh, and twirling chickens is not the answer for uh, Kaporim. And Purim, uh, Purim is a complete and utter myth. Hanukkah is repulsive to God. Here's the truth. It's obvious. Here's what the covenant represents, what the Moad Mikre represents, what Yahweh is offering. There isn't one of a million that would even listen. It'd be ultimate na-na-na-na-na, putting their hands over their eyes and their fingers in their ears. Running yeah, and yeah, yeah, thirty. <laughs> yeah, it'll be the blah, only thing blah, blah positive them. about the uh, Herodim is they're dressed for their own funeral. <laughs> That's <laughs> that is all they have got going for them. They're In the case of Israelites, not all, but far too many lack the will to recall the lessons of the Torah. And without God's guidance, they have become 
incapable of rationally analyzing the prescriptions for living that Yahweh has provided. And well, I'm certain that most of the listeners to this program have heard the hundreds of programs before it and have read most of yada yada uh, and know that we're not denouncing Judaism uh, in favor of Christianity or Islam or uh, being atheists or agnostics. That is the furthest from the truth. Um, not only did I write Prophet of Doom, which is the most comprehensive renunciation of Islam probably ever written, four volumes of Questioning Paul, which utterly destroyed the Christian New Testament, uh, and Paul as a person, the entire religion of Christianity. Uh, the reason that we are denouncing Judaism so aggressively as part of this program is that's what Yahweh does. We go to where his words lead. God is disgusted with Christianity. I mean, the book of, of Habakkuk is, calls out Paul by name and calls him the plague of death. Uh, God really despises Christianity, uh, though David's psalms uh, take direct aim against Christianity. And uh, Islam, uh, Yahweh just directly associates with Satan. But if you were to add every reference to Islam and Christianity and condemnation of it in the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms, they wouldn't total 1% of what Yahweh has <laughs> to say against Judaism. Wow. Wow. Yeah. The reason for that, Goyim are not his people. It's possible no, it for Goyim to become part of Yahweh's family, but you don't start there. The descendants of Abraham and Yishak and Jacob, Yisrael are his people. Judaism affects his people more than any other religion, and it's all bad. So nothing has harmed Jews more than Judaism. Nothing has precluded Jews from knowing who Yahweh is and how to engage in a relationship with him more than Judaism. You know, in Judaism, there is no salvation. None. The reason for it is because they have no concept of what God is offering as a means to salvation. And Judaism, of course, they'll deny even the existence of hell, even though God's very verbose about what Sheol represents. They uh, want to deny the uh, devil, Hasatan, and yet they'll incorporate the, uh, the book of Ezekiel into their Zohar, and it's authored by Hasatan. So, contrary to what the religious believe... We must think our way to God. He is not found at the end of faith's multicultural rainbow. Do not lead from God. In fact, all spokes on a wheel through centrifugal force lead away from him. Yahweh's Torah is comprised of his teaching, his guidance, his instructions, and his directions. It does so so that we are suitably educated. You must be educated to know, and you must be disciplined in your education so that you can transition from 
knowing to understanding by making the proper connections between things. But when God's dissertation on life, ma'ash, is neglected or worse, rejected, then there is no diat basis for understanding. Or worse, when there is no diat basis for understanding, what's left? When knowledge is rejected, before we can even make the connections that associated needed to comprehend Yahweh's approach to life, then there is no hope. We cannot distinguish between right and wrong or differentiate between good and bad or discriminate between the teachings of gods and the edicts of man without access to verifiable information. And then we must have the will to exercise good judgment regarding it. Every single rabbi claimed to serve God is lying. The same is true for every pastor and priest, every minister and theologian. Not one knows Yahweh. In fact, they have all avoided him as he has rejected them. Yahweh designated specific instructions, well-defined roles to serve him and his people. Now, these initially included the Kohen priests. All of the Loi were asked to educate God's people and help them understand his instructions so that they could attend his mikre in a way that would benefit them. But when the teachers forsook their education, they became useless and therefore God discarded them. Well, this prophecy clearly states that there was uh, a reason behind the demise of the Kohen. There really is more to the story. Israelites had rejected Yahweh to the extent that they actually replaced him. They had no interest in listening to their God because they preferred the myths associated with the gods they had purloined from the Goyim. Yeah, that God of Judaism who the Herodim will say deliberately tests and annoys men to so they have the chance to prove their righteousness is not the God of the Torah. God only tests us in one thing, and it's an open book test. Do you know the conditions of the covenant? Do you know that he has invited us to attend the Mikre? Do you know his name? He's not taking the Torah and the prophets away from you as you engage in this test. It's an open book test, but you've got to know where to look. You have to care enough to look. You've got to throw away the Talmud and the New Testament and the Zohar. Cohen with rabbis. He simply ma'as rejected the priests, avoiding all contact with them. Therefore, Judaism's twisted variation of replacement theology, whereby rabbis have replaced the priests 
is as irrational and as inappropriate as Christianity's version of replacement theology where Gentiles replace Jews. Well said. So when Roman Catholics usurped the priestly title, they were unwittingly demonstrating that they were not ministering on God's behalf. Think about that. Yeah. (laughs) In Judaism, the myth that rabbis draw their authority from God is as errant and deadly as is the myth that their Talmud is an oral Torah. Yahweh disowned his people, disinheriting and divorcing Israel because they constantly ignored his Torah. Now, God's Torah is more than the, what they call the five books of Moses. And those books are exceedingly important. And it's in Bar Rishith that we find the terms and conditions of the covenant. They're all listed there in Bar Rishith. We corrupted to Exodus. Exodus is actually from Yasa, means to draw out. We learn that the path God provided for us to walk from man's corrupted world to his home. And where God then gave us his Torah. So that as we move through that, this marvelous book of teaching, we come to Kara called out. And in this book, God explains the purpose and the meaning of each of the seven Moed Mikra and the purpose and the meaning of the Yobel years and how we can engage in a relationship with him. Um, going on to talk about the history of his people and, and of course, in, in, in the wilderness and their life thereof and the challenges that they experience, but then leading to the most interesting book, I think, of all, which is is an exemplar of Yahweh's style. Yahweh tried speaking directly to his people, and his people freaked out. Don't ever do that again. Yeah, I said, okay, okay, I, I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm too scary for you. I, I'm not trying to be. My voice is just too profound. You, you'd have no place to hide if I'm speaking directly to you, and, and you really like to hide. Uh, there is no opportunity if I'm in your midst and speaking directly to you for you to go off and, and claim that a Talmud or some other nonsense is from me. So I understand it. You, you don't want me to speak directly to you. So the Badim is a really special book because it's just so Yahweh. And the Badim, there's only one voice. Moshe's. Moshe has lived it. He has sat there as God not only dictated the, the first four books of the Torah to him. But also as Yahweh taught him, as Moshe went from being ignorant to knowing and from knowing to understanding, the Barim is, is Moshe sharing that understanding with us. But done the way that God thinks it is best for us. And you're listening to the same technique here in this program. God likes to communicate through flawed individuals because they're real. Because when his message is filtered through someone like Moshe, 
it is more vital. It is, it is, it hits home. It resonates with us. It's not coming from a from a being whose intellect is infinitely greater than ours. It's coming from someone who is one of us, who is real, who's had the same challenges in life. And so by communicating through us, as God does in the body, through Moshe's understanding of what he has taught him, then those words can resonate with us. We can know what Moshe knew because he shared that understanding with us. That's what's happening here. I've translated Yahweh's testimony, and I'm sharing with you what it means. God could have gotten a big megaphone. He could have a big video display on the sky, and he could have it such that everybody hears it in their language, and they could see a nice visual image of, of, uh, of God and hear his voice, and they'd all scurry for cover. Yeah. And he would give you no choice but to listen to him, when instead he wants you to choose to listen to him. And he wants his message to be such that we can accept it so that it's not this thing that's beyond us, but something that can be part of our lives. And in doing so, if God picks somebody that has challenges with their spouse and challenges with their children and and uh, uh, has uh, grown a few gray hairs along the way and has fought some battles and won some and lost others and, and had to develop some grit, uh, been mistaken and tried to correct what they have done that's been wrong, then that's the kind of person that God wants to work with, particularly if they're dedicated and passionate, committed to the truth. what you're listening to tonight. It's what Yahweh did with Moshe. Now, there's a big difference between Moshe and what you're hearing tonight. Moshe was a prophet. Every word that he said was inspired by God to be precisely accurate. Although with his personality oozing through them. Same thing was true with Dod, with Yashaya, Yermaya, Hosha, this book we're reading now. All of them with their own personalities coming through, their own unique insights to what they had uh, seen. And what you're listening to now is the voice of a witness. Yep. Someone who has listened to each of those prophets, contemplated what they had to say, discerned who was not a prophet, what things are not true, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, progressive thought. who's had some successes and some failures, and is very passionate about what Yahweh revealed through his prophets, communicating in a way that should resonate with people living today in the lingua franca of the world, the language that most Jews speak. And doing so in the way that God prefers. Once a week, or an hour and a half, we do this program. And yet... 10 to 12 hours a day, seven days a week, 
we translate his testimony and comment on it. The written word is Yahweh's preference. We do this program on the spoken word to help draw your attention to the written word. Yes. And so we strongly encourage you to go to yadayad.com. If you've been drawn to this program through the efforts of those who, uh, like me, are engaged in social media outreach, it is all for a singular purpose, to draw your attention to the Yada Yada website. There, every one of these books is available in its entirety for free. There are wonderful resources. We not only don't charge anything, we wouldn't take your money if you threw it at us. <laughs> All we want is for you to have the opportunity to know the truth. We want you to know that religion is bad and that a relationship with Yahweh is good. So all of those books on the shelf, go to yadayah.com. See the beautiful menorah that uh, Jackie um, gifted to us. See all of those books that David has managed to put on the, uh, the shelf and to have so beautifully presented and accessible. And if you're just beginning, take down the first book, An Introduction to God, Words, the first volume. And begin there. It's all there for you. The volume that we're speaking from now happens to be the eighth volume. It's called Separation. On the cover, there's a picture of the Arch of, uh, of uh, Titus as uh, you'd go towards the Colosseum in, uh, in Rome, showing uh, the diaspora and the enslavement of uh, Israelites and them actually carrying the menorah separation from God and from home. Um, read it if you are uh, Jewish. You want to know what God had to say about Judaism and about this time of reconciliation. Hosha 4, six, the, uh, the passage that we have been uh, considering. It is as important as anything ever written. My people are destroyed because of their ignorance, because they're unaware, because they do not understand. What's the solution? Shed your ignorance. Read the Torah. Come to know Yahweh. That's the remedy. It is the antidote. And it's not just the remedy for, for death and dying and the vanquishing of one's soul. It is the doorway to eternal life as a member of Yahweh's family, inheriting the entire what? universe, a doorway to, to dimensions beyond those that we know, to the entire universe. That's the opportunity to, to sing songs with Dode, the opportunity to rub shoulders with Moshe, not as an inferior, but as a brother. the opportunity to sit down and have a chat, to go for a long walk with the creator of the universe who is going to serve you as a father serves a child, lifting you up, Incredible. holding your hand, 
guiding you, teaching you. Heaven's not a place where we praise God. It's a place where God lifts us up, powers us, teaches us, cares for us, and enjoys our company. We're as close as father and son, father and daughter. The covenant is what God is offering. Well, we'll pick this up, uh, this place, uh, next week. We are um, still recording, not broadcasting. Um, I'm sorry, I got a little carried away. Uh, Hosha 4.6 just happens to be one of my uh, one of my very, very, very favorite statements because once uh, I began this 22 years ago, one of the things that uh, struck me is that, yeah, it was knowable. Everything about yeah. him is knowable. And he presents information in a way that we can understand. And so we can think our way to God based on the information he has given us. And can know him and can be certain of, of all the promises I've just shared. And so when Yahweh affirms it in, uh, in writing as he has here in Hosha, uh, that's very meaningful. Because it's, it's the principal difference between everything you will read and hear as part of Yada Yahweh and any religious path where they want you to believe. And we want you to toss all of your beliefs out the door before you even begin. Replace them with what you can know and understand. I think if you pick up uh, the introduction to God, the first volume, and begin reading, you will be on into a world that is brilliant and uplifting, emancipating, enlightening. Yeah. You're going to love Yahweh. You're going to love the covenant family. Uh, love life. So we'd encourage you to do so. All right, Dee, thank you very much. I appreciate your uh, recap of all that we accomplished uh, this first full year with the, the social media campaign and the way that it's, uh, it's so beautifully uh, presented. Uh, sure. I'll thank uh, Jackie for uh, the gift of her uh, menorah and the rotation of it and the uh, automation that's now on the Yada Yada home uh, page. I want to thank David for, for making that site so accessible and so uh, beautifully and intelligently presented and even getting partial books like volume two uh, of the Babel series on Ezekiel uh, up uh, in a timely uh, basis. Um, thank you, Kirk, for uh, your uh, your study of Yah's words and artistic approach to the uh, the alphabet and, and understanding of you know, a very uh, Yahweh approach. Let's Let's just look at this, how, how all the pieces fit together. Yeah, um, indeed. That any of us can do it. And we'll yeah, be led to exactly the same conclusion. There is no controversy here. No, um, no conflict. Yeah. So I want to thank you all, and, uh, and we look forward to, uh, to being with you this time next week. May Yahweh uh, bless. Good night. Good night. Good night.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.